Good morning. We're going to be reading out of Galatians 3, 1 through 14. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified by, before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who, hang, who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus, I need your Holy Spirit right now. I have so many things that I have planned to prepare to say to these people, but only your words are going to be useful right now for real and meaningful life change and that's what we want we desire life change God we are asking for your spirit to be in this place help me to be calm and present with you leaning on your direction for this time together receiving the ministry of your word and it's your name we pray amen Amen. Good morning. So great to see you guys. I uh, really enjoy reading. I uh, have lately been reading some books on preachers and preaching, and one of the kind of common uh, uh, ideas as, as a preacher is preparing for Sunday as he's developing what it is that he would have to say, they, they call it a preacher's burden. That on Sunday, uh, all of the preparation and all of the reading and all of the kind of conversations leading up to Sunday are, are kind of building up a well that, that becomes the burden of the preacher. And that burden is like this thing that I desire so much that you would know and understand and come to love in the way that I have. And this section in Galatians, for me, a long time, has been something that I've loved very much. And so that burden that I'm carrying with me here to Sunday that, that I plan to take off of my shoulders and hopefully hand to all of you uh, under the, the guidance and the power and direction of the Holy Spirit this morning uh, is, is, is one idea and found uh, in, in verse 3. Uh, it, it says, Having begun by the law, are you now being perfected by the flesh? 
It is this idea that how do we move from who God says we are, declared righteous, counted as righteous, to becoming actually righteous. The, the word, uh, again, I'm not usually super into the Greek, but it was pointed out to us in Tim Keller by this book that we're all kind of doing, going through a Bible study together with, this word epiteleo. Epiteleo is this idea of, of, of completedness. It's, it's like uh, finished, uh, completed. We can identify with this because none of us really feel completely done, Right? I mean, like, we have more we want to learn, more we want to do, more we want to accomplish. None of us would say, like, I've got it figured out. I'm basically as good as as I'm ever going to be, and I'm going to stay that way for the rest of my life. There is this thought of of being completed, right? Uh, You know, you start out, you're you're single, and you're like, okay, something's missing. How about a relationship? I'm married. Okay, this is good. Okay, but not quite yet complete. Maybe we need kids. Okay, now the house, the condo that we had, it's not quite big enough. Something feels off. We need a little bit more, a bigger house. That grass is nice, but it's not quite as good as it could be. And it's not just about satisfaction. It's just a feeling that we're not yet complete. Even our culture understands this concept. You'll, re- you'll remember, if you're old enough uh, to remember movies from the 90s, which I hope is most of us here, uh, maybe not everybody, uh, there was a movie, Jerry Maguire, and there's this famous scene in the elevator where Renee Zellweger says, you complete me. Uh, and wait, it was her that said it, right? And not Tom? I can't remember. Anyway, but the line, right, you, you complete me. And it's this idea that like, up until this moment, until I met you, My life was incomplete, but now, here in this moment, I'm filled full, and I realize I now have all that I've ever wanted, and you complete me. And that's what we're after, right? But I'm sure as soon as the elevator door opened, she's like, oh, I guess it really wasn't him. I still feel incomplete. I still feel like there's more I need to do. Well, what we do is in the Christian life, we begin a certain way following Jesus and then almost have that moment where the elevator door opens and we're like, I'm not quite what I need to be. Like, we believe that Jesus, everything that Jesus told us is is true in fact, you know what, let's, let's just jump right in. I, I'm going to jump ahead. Jared's going to have fun with me today. I, these 14 verses, all, you guys heard them all together in context, so I can, I can take individual verses, and, and, and we're not breaking out of context. We're just showing that each one of these statements hold true independently. Whether you read them forward or backward, they're all true independently. It's not a system that relies on one to the other. So I want to start in verse 6. So, uh, Jared, if you could put... Uh, Uh, verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Counted. Abraham did not, and I'm going to explain the story of Abraham here in just a second, uh, but I I just want to kind of build where we are and where we're going, okay? So a road road map, if you will, okay? Uh, So 
Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. What we're talking about, what we're building up to is that it is faith that saves you. I've heard a criticism over the last couple of weeks, not a criticism, just an observation. Over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of given the same message in different ways, right? Justification by faith alone. So if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, maybe you heard a very similar message. Well, that's because Paul is, is, is writing his letter to the Galatians and, and presenting the same concept and idea throughout the book of Galatians because it's so important. And so we're looking at it from different facets, and it's this idea that we cannot save ourselves by our own efforts, that we cannot, uh, we cannot perfect ourselves, we are not justified by our works, by our efforts. It is only our faith that saves us. It is only our faith that sanctifies us. And so in six, that word counted is an accounting term. Just as it sounds, uh, it, it's, it's like reckoned as or uh, uh, credited as, right? It, it's, it's, it's as though, uh, you know, your friend made a million dollars but had it deposited into your account. It's yours, right? Like even though you didn't earn that money, that money went into your account. It's now sitting in my account. It's mine, right? So that money is counted as mine, Right? And the righteousness of Christ is counted as yours. And so we, uh, we, we believe that, right? But then we realize, just as Abraham, I'm not actually righteous, though. Like, there isn't actually a, a difference in my life. Like, I'm still sinning, right? I'm still messing this up. I'm still blowing it. I'm still having trouble with forgiveness, I'm still drinking too much. I'm still viewing pornography occasionally, right? These are, these are things that happen. I believe in Jesus, but my life isn't fully changed, not yet complete. We feel it. So today's message, my burden is, is to understand how do we get from counted righteous to actually righteous? to believing that Jesus gave me everything that, every good work that he did to actually working out the works that Jesus did, becoming like Christ. What is that process that I would go from my position with God to actually walking in that? And that's, that's where we're going today. That's where I think uh, the rest of Galatians, it, in my understanding, the book of Galatians kind of has a hinge point on verse 3. And the back half of Galatians talks about kind of how that happens, how to work that out. The front half is, is kind of why it needs to happen that way. Okay? So uh, if, if we could, let's take a look at, at, uh, at verse 3. So you can see this kind of hinge verse. This is... This is this is the, the, the burden that I have here, okay? And this is what Paul is writing to the Galatians. He's saying, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Saying essentially, are you, are, did you think that something switched? 
you were saved in one way, and now you're trying to like become perfected. It's that step from you were counted righteous, and now you're trying to be righteous in a different way. Well, there's some assumptions there. Let's first take a look at what the assumptions are, because I'm concerned that we may not even have a full understanding of how it was that we were saved. If you don't have an understanding of the power of your salvation, how could you possibly trust in a power for your sanctification or, or being changed, right? So the assumption there to the Galatians was that they had received the Spirit and that they would have known how they received the Spirit. Do you realize that you have received the Spirit do you realize what happens in salvation? These pagan Galatians do not have a history in Judaism. They, had, they were worshiping other gods. They came, and, and it says in, uh, in verse 1, we can put that up there, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The gospel was preached to them. Jesus and him crucified and what did they do? How did they respond? He says in verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? They heard the truth of the gospel that Jesus died for them, that he accomplished for them what they could not accomplish, and they heard the truth of the gospel, and they believed it. And they were saved, and the power of regeneration happened. The Spirit entered that person. Their heart was changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, and the things that they hated before, they now love. Their life was different. They experienced transformation. I'm seeing it in you. You're seeing it in me. A community of believers changing as a result of faith, and they would have known foundationally how that happens. He assumed it. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? There's an assumption there that you would know very clearly how it was that you were saved in the first place. Do you know how it was that you were saved in the first place? I'm going to jump ahead to verse 10. I know, Jared, it's like whew, all over the place, right? Okay, I, I, I promise you, we, we can look at it all in context, but again, all of these together are, are, are kind of helpful in, in the order that I'm, that I'm presenting today. Uh, if it's true forward, it's true backwards. So uh, verse 10, okay, this is what we all realized in the moment, and I, I don't mean to say we all. I, I, I want to recognize that there may be some people here who have not yet believed, who have not yet received the Spirit, and I'm, I'm, I just want to say I'm glad that you're here because today we're going to talk about how a person is saved, so this is just as much for you. And we need to remember how it is that we are saved because it is by that power that we would ever experience change in our lives. So verse 10 is this moment of desperation when we realize this truth. This truth in Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, meaning for all who would try to get to God, to get inside the approval of God 
through the law, an observation of God's rules and commands that you would love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, do not lie, do not covet, all of those, right? That the way to God is to do all of that for those who would attempt to get to God, to get inside the approval of God that way, you're under a curse. It says right here, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Uh-oh, if we're going to get to God by the law, we have to do all of it perfectly. So anyone who would ever try to do so is under a curse because you'll never get there. It'll never be enough. Even with the system of sacrifices that were in place for Israel, it still took unlimited sacrifices because the sin and the infraction continued no matter what. I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you about a ministry that we have here, uh, 423. It is, uh, it is for men. It is for women uh, who are uh, caught, are stuck in a pattern of, of sexual brokenness and are turning to things like pornography. They... You, if you're here, have seen this. I don't need to, show you, to, to prove this to you to know that just trying really hard doesn't work. Just doing your best to stop doing the wrong thing doesn't work. You're under a curse and you felt it. We have a ministry here that does it differently because we know that you're under a curse if you're attempting it in this way. And so 423, and, 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 and I'll mention it again, I think, later on, because, and the reason why is because we, we've been having one group uh, meeting here at the church already, and this, this ministry has grown, and we are adding a second men's group. We're adding a sister's group, which is uh, wives of husbands who are struggling. And we are, uh, we are adding a women group, so women who are struggling. Okay? And, and what we're doing is we are laying down this approach, this law approach of trying really hard and receiving and believing the truth of the gospel in gospel community where we would openly confess I'm not righteous, even though I'm counted as righteous. And I need help. I need help believing. So, when you first became a Christian, when you first placed your faith in Jesus, you may think that that was just a, a kind of a decision you made. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe that. That's good. I, I don't want to go to hell, so I, I believe that. Or you may have even, uh, and this may sound a little controversial, so if you want to talk about this a little bit more, uh, that's okay. It, 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 belief actually isn't enough. 
I, I mean, I know John 3.16 says that for all who believe, right? Uh, but do you remember in John 3, Nicodemus asked, how is it that a person is saved? And Jesus says, you must be born again. And, and Nicodemus is like, what? You have to be born again. What does that mean? This is regeneration. This is a movement of the spirit. And, and Nicodemus even asks, he says, how does that even happen? Jesus says, it's like the wind. No one knows where, where it comes from or where, where, where it's going. It is something that happens in you that you don't have any kind of control in. Our part is to believe. Our part, when, we're fir- when we first are, uh, come to saving faith, our part is to hear the truth of the gospel and believe it. To realize that I cannot save myself in verse 10 and reach for a savior, right? And, and, and it does need to be like, the kind of belief where you lean onto it. If the, you guys played that game, The Floor is Lava. I'm not supposed to move that close to the end of the stage. I get feedback. But uh, The Floor is Lava. And if I, if I got to get the, from here to that, to that bench, I don't know that I can make that all the way. But if there was a rope hanging down from, from here, and I, I'm going to grab onto that rope, and I'm going to swing over so that I don't hit the floor. This is such a horrible picture of... Sometimes these things just come to me. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. But, but like... I'm here, I need to get to there, I'm not saved, I need to get saved, and there's only one way because by my efforts, I mean, maybe some of you could jump this far, maybe the bench is that far, like all the way back, and you can't, it's an impossible jump, right? The only way you could do it is with the rope. You need to get from here to there, and you'd say, I believe that that rope will save me, but you're still standing here. Right? You need to get over there. And the only way you are saying you believe that rope will save me is to grab on, hold on, let go, and swing. And you are carried over to the other side. Right? This is the belief that is required. But again, it is not our efforts that save us. It is our faith. And so going back to what happens inside of us. We receive the Holy Spirit. Imagine in your struggle, okay? In your struggle, you're, you're, you're struggling. You know, maybe, maybe you're, you, you lie about having projects done at work. Uh, you know, you, you, you get really frustrated about criticism. Uh, you know, you, you, you're struggling with forgiveness. Uh, you know, drinking too much or whatever it is. Imagine if Jesus himself came down and entered into your life and kind of stood right behind you, so he's he's kind of standing right behind me, and and he puts his hand kind of like on the backside of my hands, and and, 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 and he's he's there, and, and he just kind of guides you throughout the day, and he's just like... He whispers, hey, not that, not that, this, trust in me. Do this. Did you notice that person who needs love and care and help? Do that. If you're, if you're quiet and you're paying attention to it, Jesus, Jesus kind of moves you and, and guides your, your, your gaze and guides your thoughts. Like, imagine how incredible that would be, right? Like, like 
you, you could like get out ahead and away from Jesus, but he's, if, you, if you just kind of stay there in that moment with him, he guides and directs. How incredible would that be? It's actually not that far of a stretch of the imagination. It's what we have. The Holy Spirit is not, is not like a touch of God or his energy. It is God himself. It is the transferable form of God. Jesus, as he's leaving his disciples, he says, I must go so that the Spirit may come, and it's better that I go so that he comes. Having the Holy Spirit inside of us is better than having Jesus right here. I have a hard time believing that. But that's what Paul's inviting us to throughout the book of Galatians, and that's coming. I don't have a lot uh, of time to talk about the Spirit, but Paul's just introducing the idea here, right? Paul's introducing the idea of walking by the Spirit, continuing in the way in which you were saved. But first, we have to understand the power that was in our salvation. You didn't save yourself. You were saved. It was a gift. It was by the Spirit, and you received the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And so why, verse 2, who has bewitched you, Galatians, did you, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And so the obvious answer to this rhetorical question was hearing with faith. I heard a truth, and I believed it, and I was saved. So then why, verse 3, having been having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we believe that we cannot save ourselves, that Jesus saved us, that it was a gift, and that it was counted to us as righteousness, and then try to pursue righteousness by trying really, really hard. I get this picture. Sometimes I think in, in pictures and metaphors of like this plane trip, right? Uh, and, 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 you know, we get in a plane and, and uh, like there's no one for a moment who gets in that plane and is thinking like, let's say we're going Portland to New York, right? There's no one in that, that, in that, uh, in that plane that bought that ticket that thinks that, that, that they're going to have some part of getting that plane from Portland to New York, right? Like they get in the plane, they grab their snacks, they put on their, their seatbelt, and they take off, and we're off to Portland, right? And, you know, I've got some movies downloaded, and I'm going to watch those movies, and I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. Occasionally I lift the little, the little uh, shade, and I look outside, and I say, oh, there's Glacier National Park or whatever, and eventually I've got to use the restroom. And so I get up, and I see a whole section of the plane doing this. Right? And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And then, like, like you can hear the conversation, right, going on. It's like, no, we have, we, this plane will not stay up if we don't flap our arms. We all have to do it. And it started with one, and then all these other people are doing it too. And, and, and sooner or later, you got like the whole back half of the plane, which are like the super religious people, right? They're like working really hard to get there, right? And, and, and so they're all back there flapping their arms, and they're like, you know, and they'll even tell themselves, like, it's God's grace that these other people are going to get there too. But by our efforts, uh, in part, we're getting them there, right? Like, 
Like, why do... That is what it is like when we, when we try to become what we already are. We are counted, declared righteous, and then we, we try to become righteous by, by working really hard. And that's, that's in part what the Galatians were doing. Paul's reminding them the power of their salvation, but he is... He is pointing them, he is getting at, we, we do have a desire to be perfected because there is that goal. You see, uh, in, in verse 10, do I still have 10 up there? Verse 10. Uh, I'm a little bit behind on my outline. I'm going to catch up here. Uh, for all who rely. You see, there wasn't, a, there wasn't necessarily a problem with following the law, or well, there wasn't really a problem with breaking the law even, either. It was relying on the law. Is the law the way that I move from counted as righteous to actually righteous? Is the law the way to do that? Well, no, that's a curse. So then how? How do we? How do we move into what God has, is, is calling us to, Christ-likeness? Like, we do have a desire to love more than we do. We have a desire to forgive more than we do. For those who are, are struggling, they're caught in addiction, you don't want to be doing that. Like you're, you're, in my, in my 20s, I was a mess. I was, I was really good at being righteous, but then I'd be really good at sinning. And I would sin, I'm like, as a saved person, I came to faith at 19 years old and immediately, I, I, I had this, I had this picture, I'm sorry. Uh, so you get an invitation to uh, you get an invitation to a party, a ball, right? Um, and and you know, kind of a you know Hollywood style soiree. You got the uh, like double staircase that merges into one staircase. That's always been so wasteful in my mind, but looks super awesome, right? This this big uh, area. The food is amazing, uh, and and you got an invitation. I don't know, maybe this is like a bad dream or something. Uh, and, and you walk in, and it's legit because nobody stops you. Everybody's dressed super nice, and this is an amazing party with amazing music. And then I look down, and I realize, like, I didn't get dressed. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't shower. I'm not wearing a tux. And then everyone, I, I don't know, is everyone looking at me? I don't know. Uh, but I just, I feel super uncomfortable. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. That's a little bit like... Coming into God's presence and believing that you really are invited to be there, that you really have a place there, that you are really his, but you don't feel like you're supposed to be there, right? So how do we, how do we move from knowing that I'm supposed to be there To, start, to starting to really believe it, right? So it says, 
in verse 5. In verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He asks the question again. Hearing with faith. Whoop, that's the back limit of that stage. Uh, Romans 10 says that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where does faith come from? Hear a truth and believe it. This is the way we walk this out, okay? So let me, let me introduce the idea of functional Savior. I've got just a, a, a couple, of, couple of minutes left. Uh, functional Savior. We recognize at the moment of salvation our need for a Savior, but then we continue and then look for additional Saviors, okay? So in addiction, I'm stuck in a moment. I hate the way that I feel. My, the, the, the experience of my life is like death for me, and so I reach for what I think will save me because it has saved me before, at least temporarily, and that's to take a drink of alcohol or to view pornography, right? When I'm caught in, in, in an addiction, my functional savior is the object of it. And that's easier for us to see, right? It's easier. What about, what about if um, you're stuck in unforgiveness, right? You're stuck in unforgiveness. Your dad, your, your dad didn't do all that he could. Um, and, and he lets you down, and you're angry at your dad, and you want to forgive your dad because you believe in Jesus and you know that you're supposed to forgive, and just trying really hard has not helped. Your functional savior is that there's something that you could have done or should have done or, or that, your, that your dad needs to do, uh, there, that, that, that your dad should have completed you, but he didn't, and so that's missing. I'm incomplete because of what is going on in the relationship with my dad, right? And, and there's all opportunities for, for reconciliation of those relationships, but functionally, you have a, you have a savior. Your, 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 your salvation will be in some moment, something that he'll say or something that you'll do or something that will be repaired in that relationship. That is your functional savior. That, that is what you feel like is missing in that moment. And so in that moment, you have to make a decision, I guess, but faith is the way that you will move through forgiveness. You have to believe that your Savior is Christ, that you're, you're complete in Him, that all that He's calling you to, you already are, and you're moving from a place of already righteous in your pursuit of righteousness and believing Him. What kinds of truths could we find ourselves believing uh, when we go to God's Word that we would need to believe. A couple of examples, and I didn't give Jared these ahead of time. I apologize. Uh, hear a truth and believe it. Is, is, it's how you are saved, and it's how you continue. Hear a truth and believe it is, is, is the walking out of the Christian faith. What kinds of truths? Well, faith comes by hearing, 
Hearing by the word of God, let's go to the word of God to find our truth. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I want to do good. I, I want to love well, I want to serve well, I want to be pleasing to God. I have to believe everything that that verse just said about who I am and who's the one even doing the works. God prepared my good works beforehand. It really is just resting in the spirit of Jesus who's living inside of you, guiding your hands, your, mo your movements, your motions, your thoughts. It really is believing that to be true is the process by which you would change. And that's what's happening every week, by the way, at 423. They're coming and they're confessing. Here were my functional saviors this week. Here's why I went to uh, pornography this week. Here's what I was hoping that it would satisfy for me or that it would provide for me. It is often from wounds, wounds from relationships and, 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 and from father relationships and, 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 and people that had sinned against you and people that you had sinned against. And, and all of that culminates in a need for salvation. Though I'm already saved, I need to be saved still. And so how is it that you were saved first is the way that you will be saved from your addiction too. It is hearing a truth and believing it. Another truth from uh, Colossians 3, a very dear truth to me, put on then as God's chosen ones. He chose you, holy and beloved. You're holy. Do you know what that means? Holy, set apart, like perfectly prepared to be in the presence of God, he calls you holy. Do you believe that? In that moment, you're reaching for some other savior. You're saying, I, I can't believe that. I know I'm forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. I know I'm forgiven, but I, I can't forgive myself. You know what that is? You're thinking, you're saying, there's something more I've got to do, some more self-saving I've got to do. I've got to be my own savior, and, 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 and once I can do this thing or that thing, then I can fix it and put it together, then I'll feel totally saved. It's Jesus plus my works. Jesus plus my efforts. Jesus plus my penance. Jesus plus my serving. Jesus plus my giving. Jesus plus my sacrificial uh, uh, love in the relationship that I have, right? Like, Jesus plus my performance. These are functional saviors, something you're reaching to for salvation besides Jesus. My, uh, well, I, I, I gotta read this quote. I got just a couple of minutes left. This quote is so good. I, I got this from... Uh, from Tim Porter. Um, if you guys haven't been getting on the, um, 
the, the, the podcast or whatever on the website. We put the Silverton messages on in the Salem. Like, if you want some more sermon time, go listen to Tim preaching out in Silverton. His preaching is, is so good. It's so awesome to be under, under that teaching. He, he gave this to me. He's preaching out there today, and guaranteed it's a better version of this same sermon, so go and check it out. But he gave me this, this quote. This is from Martin Luther, okay? Paul places the emphasis upon the two words Abraham believed. Faith in God constitutes the highest worship, the prime duty, the first obedience, and the foremost sacrifice. Without faith, God forfeits his glory, wisdom, truth, and mercy in us. The first duty of man is to believe in God and to honor him with his faith. Faith is truly the height of wisdom, the right kind of righteousness, the only real religion. This will give us an idea of the excellence of faith. And this is, this is the, the, the most important part of this quote. To believe in God as Abraham did is to be right with God because faith honors God. Faith says to God, I believe what you say. You guys, that's even the, the best motivation of, of faith that we wouldn't work hard to try to fix ourselves, that we would just trust God and what he says, that's actually the best motivation. It's our highest worship. He is most glorified when we're trusting in him. I have, I have uh, teenagers, and, and, and uh, I, I can resonate with this. Uh, for me to say to them uh, that, that you should do something in this way, uh, and they say, okay, Dad, yeah, I'm going to do it that way. That doesn't happen very often, right? Uh, you know, that's just kind of the way God made uh, teenagers just to kind of challenge uh, Dad a little bit. And I love it. It's, it's good. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing in God's design. But it's awesome when they say, okay, I trust you. Trust is the currency of that relationship. And your father God in heaven wants to have a relationship with you. Trust is the currency of any relationship. We can only go as far as we'll trust each other. Trust is the currency in marriage. Trust is the currency in parenting. Why would my kids ever just do what I say? Because they've experienced in the past that, that I care about them, that I have their best in mind that I'm seeking God and, 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 and honoring him and that they would desire to do the same. Why would we trust God? Because he's proven himself trustworthy. When the world looks at us and we just say, God, I believe you. I believe what you say. I believe what you say about me. And I believe what you say about what I should be doing right now. Like that is the highest and best way that we can worship God. My, my younger son, we were down at the church last night, and uh, he, he does this fun thing where he, he, um, he mimics dad, uh, and so he'll like, he'll like act like dad, and so he knew that I was teaching here tonight, and so he gets up on stage, and he does his like adult voice or whatever he does, and, and, uh, and he clicks his teeth. I don't know that I ever click my teeth, but he's like, so today... Right, and and he he gets up here, but he doesn't know the words to say. He just does the mannerisms, and he says, "Jesus will help you," and Jesus, 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 and I'm pretty sure what you need is Jesus. And and this is kind of what he's doing on there, right? And he's kind of like ribbing me a little bit or whatever, right? Uh, and I'm like, 
if what he got from the times that he's seen me teaching here and hearing the ministry of the word is that, and the only words that he can come up with is Jesus, 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 I'm like, all right, yes, that is it. That is exactly it. That is, that is the center of what we're doing here. It is the center of the gospel. It is everything. Uh, it is a faith in him and what he's done for us. I, I want to point out verse 13 and then verse 14 because here is the gospel. The gospel that was preached to Abraham, by the way, I didn't get a chance to, to point that out. The gospel was preached to Abraham. Paul's, Paul's example, he says, you want to know what a perfect Christian looks like? I'll give you an example of a perfect Christian. Abraham. What? The gospel was preached to Abraham. It was always the gospel. It was always the plan. It was always the faith that would save you. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He heard a truth, and he believed it, and it was counted to him as righteousness. You see, following the law is a curse, and it will only result in death. But look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. He didn't say he took on the curse. He didn't say that he, he, he wore the curse. He became the curse, which is, which is paralleled in 2 Corinthians uh, 5. Uh, for our, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who, no knew, who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteous of God. Listen to the language. It's exactly the same. He became the curse. He became sin. Why is that important? Because we don't, we don't wear righteousness. We do. It, theologically, there's, there's a case to be... But we become righteousness. In the same way he became sin, we become righteous. We are. And so the Christian life is, is then becoming what you already are. We have the approval of God. We're going to be talking about adoption. Being God's adopted sons and daughters, fully accepted, fully approved. We are righteous. Believe it. Jesus becomes the curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Through faith. We receive the spirit through faith. We continue through faith. It is only through faith. We are perfected by faith, by hearing a truth, believing it. Every single day is an opportunity. Every single moment is an opportunity. You are struggling in whatever area. The answer to it is one prescription every single time. It's faith. Faith is always what is going to get you through. It is believing the promise that is given to us in God's word. It is hearing it and it is believing it. And it is by God's spirit that we can even try to do that. 
So we're gonna go to a time of communion because we're, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna take the cracker and we're gonna believe that Jesus did what he said he's gonna, that, that, he, that Jesus did in fact do and accomplish everything that he said he would on the cross. And we're gonna take the juice and we're gonna believe that it does. Go ahead and get up. You can go ahead and grab the cup uh, and the juice uh, and, and, and hang on just a second so that everybody gets a chance uh, to get back into their seats. And we're, we're gonna take this all together. And, and, and in just a second, we're gonna, um, we're gonna sing a song. What, what, what was the, the name of the song again? It was uh, Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb. We're gonna, we're gonna sing this song, Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb, and we're gonna hear the lyrics, which, ba which by the way, almost all the lyrics that we sing, almost every single lyric that we sing here at this church is from scripture. So we're gonna hear the truth of scripture and we're gonna believe it. Here's the chorus of the song we're about to sing. Not the same, I am changed, redeemed by the blood of the lamb, by his grace, I am saved. I'm his child forever, I am. We're gonna hear that truth, we're gonna sing that truth, and we're gonna believe that truth. We are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. First thing we're gonna do is we're gonna take the cracker. Go ahead and take the cracker. That cracker is the body of Christ that was broken for you. And, and because of, of his death, we can, we can receive the truth that we are fully his, fully accepted, fully forgiven every single time, and that we are washed by the blood of the lamb. Go ahead and take the juice. Pray with me. Jesus, forgive us of the times <clears throat> that we do not trust in you, that we look to something else to save us, to something else to perfect us. We want to take you at your word when you invite us to walk, to step out of the boat and to walk on water. We want to keep our eyes on you and walk on water to do the impossible, to do the things that we never thought were possible in, in, in change in our lives to move towards you. God, help us to, to hear the truth, to look, to seek for the truth in your word and believe it, to believe you, to trust you. God, we worship you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.